Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast. Today we are jumping into a Q&A episode with Dr. Terry Mack, clinical psychologist, relationship expert, OG of the Open House Podcast. She messaged me saying, I really think we need to talk about breadcrumbing. And I was like, do you know what? We absolutely do. Because the sad truth is there's a lot of people out there that are being breadcrumbed thinking that is how it should be in the dating phase. Thinking that you need to take it slow, you need to get to know someone, you don't want to come on too strong. And Terry said to me, we just really need to communicate this delineation between being breadcrumbed and a relationship moving forward in a healthy way. So I think first up, let's start by what is breadcrumbing? Breadcrumbing is when somebody gives you just enough to keep you around, to keep you interested, to keep you hopeful when they do not have an intention to commit and go all in and build something with you. And it's also someone being inconsistent and sometimes manipulative to keep you attracted, even though they don't have pure intentions to really invest in you. And there are a number of reasons why people breadcrumb. And I want to go through these with you so you really understand why this happens, how it happens, and what it looks like. So one of the reasons people might breadcrumb is because they're emotionally unavailable. And I know you and I have been really diving into this recently because of the new PDF we've created. So why don't you talk a little bit about what being emotionally unavailable is? Yes. So if anyone hasn't listened to our episode, what the fuck is emotional unavailability anyway, definitely go and head over to that one. But like Terry said, I think it's so important to understand this concept because it is such a foundational piece of this concept of breadcrumbing. Being emotionally available, it feels like such a buzzword that none of us actually really know what it means. And what fascinated me was to learn that it actually means having a connection with both our minds and our bodies. So it involves being connected and being aware of our internal experiences. So this might be things like thoughts, feelings, but also the actual sensations in our nervous system. This feels good. This feels bad. This makes my chest feel tight. And being emotionally available requires this ability to feel to identify and to express outwards. So it's like a two-step approach. It's connecting with yourself inwards and then also expressing outwards when things come up. And it's also being able to hold space for others who are doing the same. So I think that's what being emotionally available is. It's this ability to be with ourselves and communicate 
outside of ourselves with what's going on. So on the flip side, what does it mean to be emotionally unavailable? If you're emotionally unavailable, it actually means you often feel overwhelmed by your internal experiences and you were not taught how to feel those emotions. You weren't taught how to identify those emotions and you definitely were not taught how to express or articulate those emotions and sensations and experiences outside of you. So what does that mean? It means that you struggle to handle what goes on inside of you and then you struggle to engage with other people in these more intimate feeling-based situations. So what does that mean? If you're emotionally unavailable, you might shut down. These people might distract themselves from ever actually feeling. So they might get drunk all the time. They might party all the time. They might just focus on surface level interactions and they might step forward and then pull back as soon as things start to feel uncomfortable, or they might just stay surface level throughout. Everything might be humorous. Everything might be a joke. They might date tons of girls or guys at the same time. It really avoids them ever having to delve into the vulnerability and discomfort of those deep emotions and those sensations inside of you. So if this is something that's really resonating with you guys listening, definitely go and buy our Protect Your Heart PDF. We have this near 40 page PDF that breaks down the entire process of what emotional availability and unavailability is and gives you every single warning sign that you could need. I'm talking sound bites, things that people say, body language cues that people will give you, ways that they show up in the dating world or in the relationship world to help you be able to acknowledge, hey, this person is emotionally unavailable. It's a cracking PDF. So that's going to be linked in the show notes for you. But just tying it back to this piece on breadcrumbing, when you understand that deep discomfort of someone to sit in that body, in that experience, it makes sense why they breadcrumb. They drop you a little text here and there. They drop you a little date here and there. You have a little intimacy here and there, but never consistently enough that they have to sit with the feelings. They just dip in and they dip out when it feels too much. Do you think that's a good overview? I think that is a perfect overview. And just like you're saying, they can't sit in their own feelings, their own body, their own experience, they cannot sit in connection with you or anybody else. So that's why you're saying they shut down or they dip in, they dip out, they give you a little bit, then they pull away. So yes, I think it was a perfect explanation. The second reason that people breadcrumb is related to attachment theory. And we've talked a lot about attachment style on this podcast and People who are avoidantly attached are very likely to engage in breadcrumbing. And people who are avoidantly attached are emotionally unavailable. So everything we just said about emotional availability applies to the avoidant attachment style. People who are avoidantly attached like to keep some distance or space between themselves and other people, particularly people that they're dating. And they will never let you get too close. If they do, if you do feel deeply connected to them and they experience that connection as well, they are going to pull back after that. They're going to disappear. They're going to disconnect. So they are very likely, again, to keep popping up, maybe giving you some validation here or there, seeing you here or there, spending time with you, wanting access with you, but not being able to go all in and be prepared to sit in that deep connection with you, to want to build something with you for the future. Yeah. And I think something that's so frustrating about the avoidant attachment style is that there's this generalization that they're just disconnected all the time. 
And that's actually not true. Like we see on TikTok all the time, people saying, but they came on strong. They were excited. They wanted to date me. They pursued me. So how can they be avoidant? And what Dr. Terry has taught me is that in the initial stages, it's not intimate for them. It is not scary for them. It doesn't shut them down and send them into their protective shutdown mode as it does when things start to get real. So I think that's also really interesting to understand that they can come on strong and then they can hit you with the breadcrumbing as they pull away. So I think that's so important to understand that like you've taught me that the avoidant can either come on warm, they can even come on hot sometimes. They're excited by intimacy. They're excited potentially by the connection, by the dating, by the sex, by the flirtation. Then they shut down, then they pull back, then they start breadcrumbing. Or they could be the type of avoidant or the type of emotionally unavailable that actually just breadcrumbs from the beginning. There is no warm, there is no hot, even that for them is too much. So I think that it's really important that people listening to this understand that everything is a spectrum, everything is a continuum. And then the next thing, you know, people being hurt before or they have a fear of commitment. I'd love it if you could talk about how people that have been hurt before or that they have a fear of commitment, maybe they have an abandonment wound, maybe they have a rejection wound, how that can show up as breadcrumbing. Yeah, you're right. It's very similar to number one and number two because they're not all in. And likely you want to be all in. That's why you're engaging with this person. But they're scared. Either they're scared of being hurt or they're scared of commitment and what that means to them. So they're one foot in and one foot out, or maybe sometimes they're both feet in and both feet out. Again, it's inconsistent. So if somebody has an underlying fear of being hurt or of commitment that is running their emotions and their engagement responses and their relationship patterns, there's likely going to be breadcrumbing involved. And again, I think it's just so difficult in the dating stage. There's no hard and fast rules around this is how much you should talk. This is coming on too strong. This is coming on too cold. People are all just trying to do their best. And I think that's where people can get into this stage where someone can give them something. They tell themselves that I'm just taking it slow. They don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. But actually you are building a story around the fact that you are being breadcrumbed. And I think we're going to get into that in the second part of this Q&A is a real life example that I'm going to ask Dr. Terry's position and, and thoughts on from a therapeutic perspective. But before we get there, let's talk about this one step in, one step out. Let's talk about someone getting their cake and eating it. This ego boost, someone coming from a different position of they're not doing this because they're scared. They're doing this because they're really gaining something from it, but they don't have to give too much to do so. Yeah. Oftentimes people want the benefits of a relationship without the work of a relationship. So they want to pick and choose. If somebody wants to have access to you, spend time with you, have sex with you, text back and forth and make jokes with you, but they don't want to do the work of a relationship or they don't want to be exclusive. They want to have you around and they also want to see other people. That is them wanting their cake and eating it too. And it's our responsibility as someone who might be on the other side of that to say, how do I feel about this? And to be honest with yourself, because just because you're getting attention, as we always say, doesn't mean that there is intention and you can't ignore your feelings and your needs and say, okay, this is enough. Sometimes we're fooling ourselves. Okay. Let's drill into that piece around attention versus intention, because 
I feel like it's so easy to be breadcrumbed today in a digital world. Sometimes I think people probably breadcrumb without even meaning to because everyone's always on their phones. Someone could be dropping you an Instagram like with it meaning absolutely nothing, but we take it as meaning something. So do you think it's probably fair to say that this breadcrumbing experience globally has elevated because of social media? Absolutely. Yes. People are on their phones, on social media all day long, mindlessly liking, mindlessly commenting. And sometimes we want to believe we could attach a story to someone viewing our Instagram stories or liking one of our posts. But unless we ask and unless there is consistent behavior over time, it means nothing. But I think you're right. In this digital age, it's so easy to just take these small things that we get from someone and try to add them up into something more than what it actually is. Yes. And if anyone is listening to this thinking, I need to know more, head over to episode 71 because I did a home truth episode on why attention is an intention. But that is how situation ships develop. Because in the silence of accepting attention, and telling ourselves that there's some intention there, adding meaning without ever asking, without ever asking someone, why are you engaging with me? Are you engaging with other people? What do you want right now? Are you into me? Do you want a relationship? Without asking those hard, difficult questions, or they don't even need to be hard and difficult, just without asking those like reality check questions, it makes a lot of sense how people can mistake attention for intention. We add a meaning and in that silence is birthed a situationship. So I appreciate how you've explained that some people can just be having their cake and eating it too. It can be an ego boost. It's very easy to get those dopamine hits in today's digital world. I think probably the last thing we need to talk about is I want to ask you if there can be a manipulative element to this, if there can be a control element to this, if this is something that people should be aware of it being more than just, oh, this person is a little emotionally unavailable. This person is a little avoidantly attached. This person is a little emotionally immature. Do you ever see this as being a manipulation and control tactic, or is it mainly like a subconscious thing that people don't mean to do? No, it can absolutely be both. So it can be used consciously as a tactic for manipulation and control. And the way that you're going to know this is when you address it. When you ask directly, where are we headed? How are you feeling about our relationship? What is it you want? They're going to find ways to deflect that, to twist it, and maybe even make you feel like you're crazy or wrong for asking. Somebody who wants to manipulate and control you wants to make you feel insecure, wants to make you doubt yourself, your own judgment, your own perceptions. They want to make you feel uncertain and not trust yourself. So if you're doing the healthy thing and asking, which again, we have to hold ourselves accountable to, they're going to twist that. So A, you never get an answer and B, you're the problem. Okay. Now I know that one of the lovely ladies in the house has had a couple of questions about her dating setup recently. So I think it would be really good to run through some of these things with you. And I think that the key foundations of her experience is that she came out of a marriage with, I believe, quite a toxic man. Can't remember the specifics on it, but I think it's important to understand that she's coming from a background of uncertainty and a lack of safety. 
and she's met someone new and they started dating and they had a number of very beautiful experiences, both physically, emotionally. She was able to open up with him. She was able to have beautiful sexual experiences with him that she maybe hadn't had before, but that there were a couple of things that were making her anxious and nervous. So the first one was that I think they've been dating for like three to four months now and they're exclusive, but that they're not in a relationship, girlfriend and boyfriend. She's okay with that. But for me, that was something that I just, maybe I'm getting old and I don't understand the difference between being exclusive and being in a relationship. But for me, it feels like if you're saying that you're exclusive with someone, why are you not just in a relationship together? Is there a hesitancy about committing to that relationship? But this exclusivity label gives that person kind of everything they need without actually having to be her boyfriend. And I think an important piece of info there is that he also was very hurt in a past relationship. So he said to her that he wants to take things slow. He doesn't want to introduce her to his family. And I think she's questioning, is that normal? We both want to take things slow because we've been hurt. Or is this guy breadcrumbing me? It does concern me given the amount of time, three to four months, and somebody isn't ready to call you his girlfriend or vice versa is a red flag to me. Let's say the first two to three weeks when you meet someone new and you're like, you know what, let's just focus on each other. I think that really small window in the beginning is when it makes sense to me that you can be exclusive. You can say, let's focus on each other to see if this develops into boyfriend and girlfriend, like if it develops into a relationship or not. But after three to four months, if somebody is willing to be exclusive with you, but doesn't want to call you his girlfriend, I don't understand that. And the question I would be asking is why, what does the label girlfriend mean to you? And if you've been with someone for three to four months, spending your time with them, investing emotionally and investing your time with them, and they don't want to be boyfriend, girlfriend, where is this relationship heading? I think it's a big red flag. And my guess is there is breadcrumbing going on. Yeah. And I think she's had such beautiful experiences with him in the bedroom that she probably feels very physically and emotionally connected with him. But that's exactly what I said when we were having this discussion in the house is if that was me, I would need to understand where is the resistance around the title of girlfriend and boyfriend coming from. And I would need to understand where that resistance was coming from as well as where the resistance was coming from introducing me to the family. I wouldn't be saying I need to be introduced to the family, but I would want to know that when the time was right, that was going to happen. So I think that she needs to have this conversation with him and explore what does this label mean to you? When are we going to be girlfriend and boyfriend? If she can't ask that question, then I think that's a very, just not a healthy situation. Because if she's scared to ask that question, it probably is reflective of the power dynamic in this current setup. And I would say too, another question that she should ask him and hopefully he will ask himself is what are you scared of? What is the fear there? What's the fear of me being your girlfriend or you introducing me to your family and just see what comes up around that. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if the fear doesn't go away. It is blocking this relationship, but I think it needs to be put on the table. 
Yeah, that's so interesting to actually look deeper beneath the surface and work out what is his fear. And then stage two of that question, is he working on that fear? Because if he's not working on that fear, then she's ultimately going to be being held at arm's length from the family, from true intimate connection. And I think that is the definition of someone who's emotionally unavailable or avoidant is they hold you at arm's length, right? Yes. And I also want to make a note that a lot of times when people are emotionally unavailable, the sex is so good or we cling to the intimate part of the relationship, the sex, because that's the time we feel connected to them. We may not get it emotionally, but we get it in the bedroom. And again, like we get that oxytocin, we feel that deep connection and we make a story around it. We label it as emotional connection when what it really is a physical connection and they are not the same thing. We need both for a relationship to grow and develop. So I just wonder if that's happening in this situation too, especially since she's talked about all these beautiful sexual experiences. Wow. Yeah, that's so important. I hadn't even thought about that. I think the other really interesting dynamic is this piece around safety and stability and security. I think that is what the term boyfriend and girlfriend gives you that the labels of exclusive doesn't. And I think she's moving or he's moving. One of them is moving and they're looking at doing long distance. And she was really scared to ask him, how do you feel about this? Does this implement or impact us? I think she did in the end because we were all like, you have to ask him. And I think that he responded saying like he was open to doing long distance, but then she found him on Tinder. She still had him connected, Hinge, Bumble. I don't remember the platform. And he changed his location to the new place that he was moving. And that for me just was like, okay, this is a big red flag. Like, I don't care if we're trying to say that it automatically updated because he was visiting, whether it didn't. She did talk with him about it in the end and he admitted that wasn't cool and he shouldn't have done that. He was curious. But that isn't safe behavior for me. I want this woman to be safe. She deserves to be safe. She wasn't in a safe marriage. She wasn't in a safe relationship before this. I don't want her replicating an unsafe relationship again, take two. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that is absolutely not safe behavior. I don't feel good about him doing that. Again, like if this was the only thing and you know, it happened once, it would still be a huge red flag for me. I think I would have a hard time feeling safe in that, but there tends, this isn't the only thing happening in that relationship either. Like the lack of labels, not wanting to introduce to the family and now changing his location when he's traveling on a dating app. That's a pattern now that's saying he's giving her something, but he's not really fully in this relationship. It isn't even a relationship at this point. And this to me is the definition of breadcrumbing, right? There's mixed messages. There's inconsistencies. He's got one foot in but also one foot out. And I don't feel like this woman is really stepping into her power and being honest about what she wants and asking the questions she needs to ask. And she's already stepping on that line of tolerating too much. The other thing that I remember about this scenario, just based on the conversations in the house is at one point he told her on Tuesday night, we're going to have this conversation about our future. And I think this was maybe, I don't remember exactly, four days away. 
This woman put herself through hell waiting on this conversation. She couldn't eat. She couldn't sleep. And you know what I wanted to say to her is you don't have to just sit around and wait and feel like the outcome of this is determined by him. She could have said, I don't want to wait four days to talk about the fate of this relationship. What are you thinking? What do you want to talk about? Fill me in so I'm not sitting over here in the dark. And also to really ask herself, is this working for me? And for me, she was also really a good representation of what a lot of us do as women, which is we give all our power away to the guy or the relationship. Like, oh, I can't eat. I can't sleep until I know what's happening in this relationship. And that's a really hard way to live. There are many things we could do in that situation to find some peace, ask for clarity. What do you mean we're going to talk about our future? What have you been thinking about? Can we meet earlier? I need you to fill in some of these blanks for me. And also to do some self-soothing and reminding herself that her happiness does not hinge on the outcome of this relationship. And maybe looking at her pattern in relationships, this is probably not a new pattern. It's probably an old pattern. And yeah, I think I just have a lot of empathy for her because we see this breadcrumbing happening. It doesn't feel like she recognizes it as that yet. And the reason a lot of us don't even recognize breadcrumbing or can flag it when it's happening is because it's so familiar to us. It feels like love because the way that we were wired as children based on our experiences, based on our attachment to our caregivers based on the responsiveness we receive from them, we're probably just stuck in the same cycle. It feels safe. It feels familiar. It feels bad, but that's what we think love is. It feels good. Then it feels bad. It feels good. Then it feels bad. It feels confusing. It feels not clear. And that's what we think relationships feel like, but healthy relationships, healthy love, does not feel bad. It doesn't feel confusing. It doesn't feel like we're powerless. So that is why it's so important. This is why Louise and I do these episodes to help everyone understand that just because you've been playing out a pattern your whole life and it's familiar, there's a higher level. There's something else for you. And this breadcrumbing, this inconsistent responsiveness and attention is not what we want you signing up for. There's more for you out there. Yeah, and it would be so interesting to know if he is avoidant because she is anxious and we speak about that often. Would just be interesting to see if this was actually just the anxious avoidant trap and cycle playing out. And I think, you know, where I want to finish this is I think that lovely lady can go through the things we spoke about at the beginning of the episode because this conversation really requires her to ascertain, is he emotionally unavailable? We have the PDF for that now. Is he avoidantly attached? We have the PDF for that now. Have they been hurt before? Do they have a fear of commitment? You know, what is driving this behavior? And I don't think it's coming from a power and control place. I don't think it's manipulative. She hasn't said anything that would suggest that. Of course, we don't have all of the information here, but ultimately for her, it's about understanding what wounds is this man holding that are standing in the way of her experiencing true healthy, consistent love. We will get into on another episode 
how to heal from these things, how to break these cycles, how to become someone that actually doesn't tolerate this anymore and what you need to heal inside of yourself to acknowledge this is breadcrumbing. You're only giving me 50% of you, 75% of you, even 85% of you. That's the difficult thing. Someone can give you what feels like a lot, but it's not everything. And it is that 100% that is required to truly build a deep, connected, emotionally vulnerable, deeply intimate relationship. So yeah, if anyone's listening to this episode thinking, am I being breadcrumbed or is this relationship moving forward? I really hope you've taken value from today's episode. There's a lot of questions to ask, not only yourself, but also to ask your partner, the person you're dating. And ultimately, the way they respond to those questions is going to tell you everything. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.